Welcome to Sprinkle with Hope and your host, Shane. Today, our guest is Holly Porter. She has some seriously amazing experiences that she's gone through and lessons that she's learned from that. I really hope you listen in to what she's saying and the messages that she's really portraying. Holly's gone through some really difficult trials. I mean, going back to her childhood, and she shares those with us today. And I really think as you listen, just really think of what you would do in adversity when it's faced against you. What kind of decisions and things are you going to think of? So hopefully you get something out of this. I think you will. Tune in, Holly Porter. Welcome to the Sprinkled with Hope podcast. Welcome to Sprinkle with Hope podcast and your host, Shane. Today we have our guest, Holly Porter. She wants to tell you that she's not special, but I reminded her that she has this thing called life that she's lived and she has some amazing stories that we'll get to. Holly, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm really excited to be here. So Holly, for those people who don't know a little bit about you, why don't we just jump in really quick? Because we feel like people learn valuable lessons about life and how we can manage through life by sharing personal experiences and trials and struggles that we have overcome. Why don't we just dive in really quick and share a story that you have experienced in life that you feel like would be pertinent to people listening? Okay. So I feel like my whole life I've faced obstacles and trials and had to overcome and endure to the end. And it started when I was young, clear back when I was in fourth grade, we lived on my grandpa's little dairy farm and the little farmhouse we lived in caught on fire and it displaced our family. So we had to move and, and I had to change schools. And that was kind of hard for me because I was not outgoing. I was very shy as a little girl. So that definitely put a bunch of trials and hardships. And for a little girl, that was kind of hard for me, especially a shy little girl. And in high school, I was a junior and actually was on a day date. That's what they call even I think that's what they call it now. (laughs) And we actually went snowmobiling. And on that day date, my date thought that there was this ravine that looked really cool and had all this fresh powder. And he was like, there's no snowmobile tracks down there. That would be kind of fun to go down there. And there was some like big power, those huge, big power towers. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what scared me. I was like, that does not seem safe whatsoever. (laughs) And so I didn't feel good about it. Just looking at it from that perspective, but I have always been a scaredy cat and I did not want anyone else to know I was a scaredy cat. So I didn't say anything. And we went down into this ravine and on our way back up my date, instead of going, and I didn't know this back then either, but instead of coming straight up and over, he came up at a diagonal and that put us off balance and the snowmobile rolled and flipped. He was able to jump out of the way and He yelled at me to get out of the way, but I couldn't get out of the way enough. I stepped in some snow that went clear up to my thigh and I couldn't move at that point. And I just found myself flat face down in the snow. So the snowmobile ended up rolling over top of me. And luckily I didn't sustain any injuries because I had a helmet on. The majority of the snowmobile actually started bouncing down the hill and 
as I tried to get away, it gave the snowmobile enough momentum where it bounced on the back of my legs. And then on the next bounce, hit the back of my head and, and neck, like higher up on my neck and the lower part of my head. Luckily, I had a helmet on or that probably would have done some damage <laughs> more yeah. than it did. So that was a huge blessing. And then just getting married and, and starting a family, I was faced with a bunch of challenges. Had a miscarriage on my second pregnancy. Almost all of my pregnancies threw all sorts of challenges my way. And I actually ended up having to have several C-sections. So I have seven children. And out of the seven children, four of them were C-sections because of risks that I was facing. Yeah. So after having my family, my youngest was only, he was just under two. He just was about a month away from turning two. And it was back in 2013. I actually, and this is the story that I'm going to choose to share right off the bat, if that's okay. Yeah, it's please. Be a little more detailed. In 2013, I went on a trail ride with my father-in-law. And my father-in-law, I just want to mention, he doesn't have any sight. So some people thought that maybe he could have done something safer, but we had been on a dozen or more horseback rides down the trail. And it was the same trail that we went on. And it was always pretty mellow, like nothing exciting ever happened. And on this particular day, we were riding next to a canal and my father-in-law was getting all excited about this new venture that he had discovered. And he was so excited about being able to horseback ride because with sight, as you can imagine, when you don't have vision, it is so limiting and your activities are so limiting. And so it just gave him a sense of freedom Mm -hmm. and he loved how he felt. So he was getting really excited and was telling me how excited he was about his future horseback riding. And in his excitement, he didn't realize that he was moving his hands a lot. When you're riding and moving your hands a lot, that gets your horse to move whatever way you want your horse to move. Yeah. And normally his horse would follow right along behind my horse and it was no big deal. But because he was excited and moving his hands, he actually started pulling backwards and, and didn't know. According to him, he said when he's on a horse, he can feel movement, but he doesn't know if that movement is forward backwards, left or right. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't know what he, what direction he's moving. And so to him, he just thought he was fine. And I turned around to respond to his enthusiasm. And when I turned around, I saw that he was actually pulling the horse and the horse was stepping backwards and he had turned the horse in such a way that the horse was now facing the canal, like his back end was Mm -hmm. facing this canal that we were riding along and he was backing straight into this canal which I panicked when I saw that. And I yelled out to my father-in-law and I was like, dad, put your hands forward, dad, put your hands forward. And I was trying not to panic in my voice because everything in me was panicking because I knew what was coming. And the ledge of this canal, it was about an eight foot drop. So when he got to the ledge, it was about an eight foot drop. And I knew that it was the really far drop, especially if they went off backwards. And so I definitely was panicked. So trying to get him to put his hands forward and just release the pressure on the horse's head was all I was after, knowing that that would get the horse to stop moving. And he didn't understand. I think he heard the panic in my voice. And so he didn't understand. I was urgently trying to get him to put his hands forward. And he said, I don't know what you mean. I don't know what you mean. So I yelled to him again, just put your hands forward, dad. 
<laughs> and I couldn't say that another time before they stepped off this canal backwards. And amazingly enough, when they went off the ledge, the horse stayed on his feet. And my father-in-law could feel like there was a big change in motion. And so we panicked and pulled really hard and then pulled the horse over. So now they're laying in the canal. There was about three or four inches of water in the canal. So now he can feel that he's all wet and is panicking now. The horse, amazingly enough, stayed relatively calm and just laid there. But my father-in-law was like, I got to get up. I don't know what's going on. Like he started panicking and I just was yelling to him, dad, you need to hold still. Don't move. Don't move. And he had, by this point, drowned me completely out. He wasn't listening to anything that I was saying. And I was trying to yell instructions to him. So during all this, I have now jumped off of my horse, run over to the edge of the canal. My father-in-law stood up, which made the horse stand up that he was on. And he was moving around and lost his balance and fell down. The horse was trying to get oriented because he was disoriented and had stepped over top of him. So now my father-in-law is underneath the horse. So he stands up and gets knocked down. And the horse knows that somebody is underneath him. So he steps, tries to step away from my father-in-law and ends up stepping on his shoulder and his hoof slipped off. Nothing broke. He just had a nasty bruise on his shoulder. Thank goodness. And when I saw that, I was like, there is no way under the face of the planet. I am going to let him get hurt worse than I just saw that his shoulder got stepped on. So I cannot let anything worse happen at this point. So all I was thinking was do whatever it takes to get him out of harm's way. So I jumped down into the canal grabbed a hold of the horse's bridle, pulled the horse towards me as hard as I could and kind of clicked to him and cued him. And I kind of pointed the horse's reins up the canal side. So he knew I wanted him to jump out of the canal. And when he went to jump, he slipped, his feet slipped out from underneath him and he landed on my right shoulder and the right side of my chest. And so I am laying on the canal bank at this point. And I know that... I had just had bones break and I just thought, well, great. (laughs) Now it's going to happen. And before I could think of the next step, the horse was still trying to do as I had asked, jump out of the canal. So he went to jump out again and his whole back end was facing me and it flipped out from underneath him and it landed square on my chest. At that point, I heard everything like cornflakes go yeah. I mean, and so I, I then I just started going into shock because I was like, oh, you just heard yourself get crushed. Yeah. And it's, I don't even know how to put it into words. You just don't even know how to compute that. And the horse jumped up and I was holding, I still held onto the reins because I was not going to let him go over and hurt my father-in-law. And I took a big gasp of air and I couldn't breathe. And I just thought I had just been crushed. To death like I can't breathe like I am gonna this is it I this is how my life is gonna end I can't believe that this is how my life is gonna end <laughs> and I was in panic mode and so I started to pray urgently I just was praying and praying and as I prayed I just had a calm peace come over me and just felt the words you need to stop gasping stop gasping and take some take quick, small breaths. So take quick, small breaths. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try these quick, small breaths. Because every time I tried to gasp, there there was no air. I could not breathe. 
So I started taking these quick, small breaths. <laughs> and that's the only way I could breathe. And, was, and as I started to take these really quick, small breaths, I was able to breathe again. But I, with every breath I took, I was coughing up blood. So mm. every single breath I took in, I started coughing up blood. So instantly I knew, and I don't know where I knew it from, but I knew that I at least had one punctured lung and that it was filling with blood. And I knew that my potential of drowning was now added to my list of problems that I was facing. And again, started praying earnestly because I didn't, I didn't want to die, but I thought, okay, there's hope in my situation because I prayed, peace, I got an answer. I feel like I was given the breath of life so to speak, again, so I can make it through the situation. I had a lot of positive thoughts at this point. I started to pray again and just told Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, I don't want to die. Please let me know what to do. And I felt again, very strongly, give yourself a reason to live right now. And if you don't give yourself a reason to live, you're not going to make it. Give yourself that reason. So I gave my instantly before I didn't even have to think instantly the faces of all seven of my children came to my mind and I knew I was going to fight as hard as I could because I, like I said, my youngest wasn't even two yet and I didn't want to leave my kids. I didn't want to leave my family. I am really picky (laughs) and so a perfectionist to a fault and so much. I was just like, I don't want someone else to raise my kids like any mother would think. You know, they want to raise their own children and they were my reason. And my husband always gives me a hard time and rouses me and says, well, thanks a lot. I'm sure glad you thought of me. (laughs) (laughs) It's your last moments. It could have been your last moments on earth. And, you know, that's wonderful that you thought of your kids, but, you know, you didn't even think twice about me. That makes me feel real good. And I (laughs) always take him back and say, Oh, sweetie pie. I just didn't have to worry about you because I knew that you would remarry and you wouldn't be quite as happy as you are with me. (laughs) Survival easier than my kids. So I wasn't quite as worried about you. And he knows that my love for him isn't affected by so he just rouses me. So, so yeah, I had my kids in mind and my mom had always taught me, you need to do everything you can and the Lord will do the rest. You need to do your part. You can't just ask for miracles and then sit and twiddle your thumbs. So I thought, okay, I know that I got to do everything possible that I can to try to get out of here. So I actually tried climbing out of the canal, but the edges of the canal were so slick and there wasn't enough foliage to hold the ground together that it just like what happened with my horse the ground just gave out from underneath me would slide down I'm injured to no end so I didn't have a lot of strength as it was and that didn't work so I thought okay well maybe if I climb on my horse's back I can ride him down the canal and we can find a better place to get him to jump up and out of here so I can ride and go get help because nobody knew where we were. We were about a mile from where we parked and we actually took a little bit different route than we normally do. Mm. So nobody was even close in the proximity to where we were. And I just had this fear that no one would ever find us. So I thought I can ride at least some as close as I can to where I might find a human that could help me. You know, that makes more sense than just lying here doing nothing. So I 
actually got on the horse that my father-in-law had been on because he's still in the canal with me. I don't know how I did it, but I just willed myself to get on his back. I almost actually passed out after I climbed on his back just because it took so much exertion and I was in such bad shape. I literally don't know how I didn't pass out. I just willed myself not to. That's all I can describe it as. And... So I rode down the canal and we got to a point where there were so many trees that I, we couldn't get past that were growing in the canal that we couldn't get past. So I thought, well, this is a good place as any to try to get him to climb or to jump out of the canal. So I kicked him up and tried to get him to jump out. And again, as he tried to get his footings, the ground gave out from underneath him and he fell to his knees. And when he fell to his knees, I just felt really strongly, okay, that was, I know you're trying, but you need to get off. <laughs> like just get off. <laughs> this is the wrong avenue. Get off the horse. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, I better get off since he's on his knees and I can roll off. So I actually just rolled off out of the saddle. When I rolled onto the saddle and he stood up, he stood up straddling me again and his legs were shaking. And I just thought, oh no, oh no, if he falls on me again, there is no way I'll make it through it. I will not, I cannot handle, like I could feel my body was so weak and so crushed already. I could not survive him falling on me again. So I put my hands up like this and just prayed, please don't fall, please, Heavenly Father, give him the strength to not fall on me again because I know I won't be able to survive. And his legs stopped shaking and he stepped forward and away from me. And I thought, okay, good. When he stepped down and off to my left, my father-in-law was still in the canal. So I threw broken breathing and every other breath and word. So I would stutter, breathe, and then say, dad, can you get out? Like, and I got him out of the canal. I said, can you get yourself out of the canal? And he says, how? I don't, I can't see. I don't know where to go. So I said, still to the right. There's a big root system that belongs to the tree that's right there. Follow that up and hold on to that trunk. And so he climbed out of the canal and I felt when he was out of the canal, I felt safe finally letting go of that horse. So I thought, okay, I can finally let this horse go. My father is up high enough where he's out of the canal in harm's way. He's holding onto that trunk so he can just stay there and be safe. And I was just kind of making a checklist and checking it off in case I didn't make it because I knew still in the back of my head, that was a possibility. I was laying there trying to think, okay, what else can I do? And I was out of ideas. So I started to pray again. And as I prayed and asked for help and told Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, I've tried everything that I can think of. Will you please present an answer? I don't know what to do from this point on. And right as I was finished with that prayer, Remember the horse I had jumped off was still on top of the canal. So that horse walked over to me and put his nose by my cheek. Mm. And I was like, oh yeah, because in the moment and I was doing, thinking so much sure. and doing so much, I had forgot that he was up there. Like in, that sounds silly, but I did. I was just so focused yeah. on other things. So he came over and put his cheek on my, his nose on my cheek. And I was like, oh yeah good boy. And so I was talking to him in between breaths and I thought, okay, I'm going to have him pull me up and out of here. Cause he can, if he pulls me, then that ground won't get out from underneath me. So I started pulling on those reins and he horses are trained to come towards pressure. So it's the release of pressure that trains the horse. Mm. And so in my panic, I was thinking, Oh, he'll just pull me out. Well, that's not what I'm doing. <laughs> So I pulled on his reins and he actually started to crouch down and come towards me. Mm. And I was like, 
oh, heavens no, I do not need the horse down in this canal. So I shook the reins and he backed up. And as soon as he stood up and backed up, I just had another prompting and I was told, send your horse for help. And I didn't even think twice. I didn't even question it. I didn't think, well, that's the craziest thing I ever heard. I just felt like that's what I should do. So I took his reins, threw it over his head. And all I said was, go get help, buddy. And his name was Captain, but I always call my boy animals buddy. <laughs> anyway, besides the point. Threw <laughs> him over his head and said, go get help, buddy. And he took off down that trail as fast as he could. Now, if anyone's ever been around horses, you know that when horses have the opportunity to eat or grab a bike, they will take that opportunity. Even when you're in the saddle on a trail ride, if there's a weed tall enough, they'll reach over and grab it and <laughs> munch. And we were in an open pasture, like completely open pasture. Mm. The canal ran along this open pasture. There was a bridge that we had to cross to get into this pasture. And so he didn't even look twice at any of the food that would naturally be mm. instinctive to want to go eat and graze on. He just took off down this path that we had ridden down. He crossed the bridge and pretty much just found his way back to where we started. And as he did, my friend had just pulled up in her truck. She was originally supposed to meet us and ride with us, but was detained and said, hey, I'll just meet you there later. And she had just pulled up. When she pulled up, she saw him running and he recognized her truck and went over to her. As soon as she saw him, she's kind of a tease. And the first thing she thought was, I'm going to hassle her so much <laughs> because her horse, I bet she got off her horse to do something. And he wandered away and found me. I'm going to hassle her so much. And then right after she had that thought, she, she actually had the spirit tell her something's wrong. You need to go find her right now. And she was like, oh my goodness. I need to go find her. So she actually jumped on my horse's back. She jumped on captain's back and she just started screaming my name. And it's probably blessing in disguise that I'd never really put two and two together, but I have always been blessed with exceptional hearing. And even though she was almost a mile away, I don't know what carried the sound, but I could hear her as soon mm. as she started yelling my name. So through my broken speaking, breathing attempts, I told my father-in-law, you need to start yelling for help and don't stop until someone finds you. And he could hear that my energy behind speaking was getting really shallow. Mm -hmm. And so he was getting really worried and asked if I was okay. And I said, no, I don't know how much longer I can make it. And he just gave me encouraging words. He was just like, I'm going to try, but just try to hold on. I'll start yelling, but just hold on. So he started yelling and my friend heard my father-in-law yelling. And that's kind of how they found where we were at. The only problem was, is there was a barbed wire fence running the whole length of that canal. And so the only way is to clear down to the bridge to cross so she had to go clear down and around my she asked my father-in-law what is going on and he didn't know exactly he just said I don't know Holly's really hurt and it's bad you need to call 911 so she gets on the phone with 911 and 911 asks what the emergency is and she says I don't know yet I'll call you back click <laughs> well you know with 911 that doesn't go over too well so they call her right back and so when they call her back they said, you need to stay on the phone with us. Don't hang up. And she goes, well, I haven't got to my friend yet. I will call you back. Click and hangs up on them. Oh, goodness. Yeah. And so they call her back and said, 
We don't care if you don't talk and why you're getting to your friend. We understand. Just stay on the phone. If we can get any information, that's going to help us. Yeah. And so she says, okay, okay. I'm sorry. I'm just, you know, she was in panic mode and she, so they, she started giving some sort of direction on where I was located. And I heard the, it was really kind of all sorts of miracles were happening. So there, there happened to be some first responders on a different call about a block away from the equine facility that I, mm. that we parked at. When the call went in, I heard those sirens kick on. And as soon as they kicked on, I just felt this huge sense of relief. Like, okay, I know help is finally coming. Like I can hear them. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. So my friend found where we were and she went and waved them down to help them find us because they wouldn't have been able to find us. And she got them to us and and they got two or three, I can't remember exactly, paramedics down to help get me on a flat, one of those flat boards. And I don't know the medical terms for everything. So they got me on one of those and they were trying to walk up and out of this canal and the first responders, the same thing was happening to them. The ground was falling out from underneath them. They couldn't get out. It was way muddy and slick. So they actually had, by the time they were done, there was six or eight, I can't remember for sure, medical responders, like paramedics on trying to get me up and out of this canal because it was just a muddy mess. And they got me up to the ambulance and were asking me a bunch of questions and asking Of course, they want to know where I'm hurting and where the injury is. And I just kept saying, the only thing I could get out of my mouth was my chest, my chest. And they said, okay, we're going to put you under. And I was like, it's about time. Like it (laughs) took someone long enough to finally relieve me of this, what I'm going through. Like, okay, yes, put me under, like put me out of this misery for just a minute until you guys get me fixed. And I didn't know how bad I was. I knew I was hurt bad, but I didn't know how bad. And so I just thought like my C-sections, okay, you're going to medicate me. You're going to stitch me up. You're going to fix me and I'll recover a piece of cake. No problem. I literally went in, was thinking, okay, medical personnel has found me. I'm going to be okay. And right after I thought that I knew I needed to tell myself, or I felt another prompting to tell my brain, to tell my body, because I'm really bad at quoting things, but I have heard that your mind is the most powerful thing. Right. And so I believe I was told that your body will believe what mind tells it. Yeah. So I had another prompting, tell your body that it can't give up. It is going to live. Your mind has to tell your body that right now. And so I thought, okay, okay, mind, do your thing. Like body, we're going to make it. We're going to live. The brain is telling you that we're going to survive this. We are going to survive. Just started telling myself. I'm going to survive. I'm going to make it through this. I'm not going to die on the operating table. Body, you are not to give up. Like you're going to fight this. When I'm not conscious, you're going to keep fighting. So I just told myself all that and realizing as I was telling myself all that, that it was, you know, the severity of that I'm still facing life and death right now. Yeah. I wanted to tell my friend to make sure that my family knew how much I loved them. So she came over and held my hand and she goes, I'll be right by behind the ambulance. And I, and I, gripped her hand really hard. And I said, make sure you tell my family, tell my kids how much I love them. And she started crying and she says, don't you dare give up. Don't you dare. You hold on, you hold on. I nodded to her because by then I really couldn't speak. I was so weak. Yeah. And I just nodded to her like, I'm going to keep fighting. And they ended up intubating me in the field, realizing that I had some pretty 
major injuries. They actually called life flight and I was life flighted to the trauma center at, I don't know, I don't want to name the hospital, but that trauma center was awesome. They saved my life. The doctors that were there that day were the doctors that needed to be there and making crucial decisions that needed to be made when they needed to be made. Everything just kind of lined up the way it was supposed to, to help save me that day. And I ended up finding out I Every rib in my chest was broken. Most of my ribs were broken multiple times. My lungs were actually punctured three times. My right lung was punctured twice and my left lung was punctured once. Both my clavicles were broken and they never got the story straight because different doctors would read the x-rays and say different things. So everything I said so far was consistent, but there was some inconsistency on whether my sternum was broke, but pretty much the only injuries I sustained were to my chest, none of my arms, legs, head, neck, my spinal cord, thank goodness, um, was broke. So just a lot of miracles that took place that I definitely depended on prayer through the entire thing to get through. That's an amazing story. I mean, just the whole thing in and of itself is, yeah, I mean, it it is a miracle, right? Because how could all of that stuff happen? And yeah, there's just no way. And so thank you for sharing that awesome story. And, 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 you know, hearing about your story, I mean, you faced just, it seems like trial after trial in your life. And I mean, you're right. You would think after that big of a incident that I would have been good for life. Sure. Actually, three years later, I actually got a huge infection and had a bunch of boils popping up on my chest, the side of like under my armpit and went to a few doctors and they finally realized that they had to plate my ribs. So to back up a little bit, I wasn't, I was on life support. So I was on life support for two weeks and the first few days I just was not making very much, I wasn't making any progress and they were worried about me and they realized that my lungs couldn't expand to full capacity because my ribs were too jagged. Normally with broken ribs, they let them heal themselves, but they realized we're going to have to straighten these ribs out because they are so broken and so jagged and put plates on them to help these lungs be able to fully expand and start to heal. So they put plates on my ribs. I had six plates put on my rib cage and the, they had to actually drill to secure them onto my ribs, they drill screws into them to hold them on to the ribs. And three years later, I ended up getting an infection. Those plates got infected. My body was like, yeah, this is a foreign object. We are not okay with anymore and kind of attacked it and got infected. My plates, the ribs that had the plates on them were the ones that got infected. I had to have another huge surgery and Six months after that, I got a phone call from my oldest son when I went to doctor a horse that was staying at this same equine facility. And well, actually it was a neighboring equine facility because that one shut down. So I have to keep my facts straight. So much happens. (laughs) Anywho, I went to doctor a horse and had only been gone from my house 22 minutes, I believe is the exact time. I get a phone call from my oldest son and he says, mom, where are you? And I said, well, I told you when I left, I was just going to give Captain some medicine. Captain was the horse I was doctoring and I'll be right home. And he says, you need to hurry. Our house is burning down. And I was like, okay, Mr. Exaggerator, Mr. Tease. Yeah, right. Our house is burning down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So let's start from the beginning and calm down. 
I'm sure like in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, there was like maybe a little kitchen fire and he just needs a little help trying to figure out how to put it out. So I said, okay, tell me exactly where the fire is. And he goes, I don't know exactly where it is or where it started. I I just know that our entire garage is in flames. Well, then of course I start panicking. And I said, where is everybody? Because I wanted to make sure everyone was out of the house. I had two of the children, two of my kids with me. And I had asked my son to get the boys that I left home to football while I was gone. So I just was trying to make sure I knew where all the kids were, that they had all gotten out of the house. And he says, everyone's out of the house. We got, I had three Yorkies at the time. We got the Yorkies out of the house. One of my Yorkies had just had major surgery and she was only five days out of surgery and still having a hard time recovering. And so it was crazy. The whole thing was just crazy. And and he goes, I just texted you a picture. And he goes, look at that picture. So I opened my text up and I see a picture and literally I can't even see the front door because my house is consumed in flames. And he had told me that he had gotten out of the house and turned around and taken a picture of the house as soon as he got out. And I was I don't even know how you made it out the front door because that's the door they came out of because I can't even see it through. There's so many flames and so much black smoke. And it turned out that his car, so he had picked up a couple of my boys from Scouts, came home, parked in the garage, went downstairs to his room and told the boys to get ready for football. Well, in that time, something in his engine ignited and started his car on fire. He had just filled his gas tank, truck full of gas. So it hit the gas tank and exploded. We are campers. So we had several propane bottles in the garage, stacked Mm. in the garage with our camping stuff. And it just hit that and things just kept exploding and exploding. I could hear the explosions as he was on the phone with me. It it just kept fueling the fire, you know, literally. (laughs) So it was crazy. I hurried home as fast as I could. I was actually, I live in West Point, Utah. And I was in Bountiful, Utah at the time. Normally it takes me 22 minutes. It was 5.03 when he called me, which means in Utah, rush hour traffic, <laughs> heading north. And I am stuck in on the freeway, moving five miles an hour at mm. the most, just sobbing, wondering if I'm going to make it home in time to do anything about it. And I wasn't, I didn't make it home in time. I called my husband who was doing some construction work. He does construction on the side for my brother-in-law and he was actually in Clearfield. He, that's about the office that he was working on was about 12, 15 minutes ish away from our house. I don't know how many miles that would equal, but he walked out of his job and just looked towards where our house was and said, Oh my gosh, I can see the smoke from our house fire. He goes, I can see, he goes, yeah, I'm on my way. It's bad. (laughs) And so, and of course that didn't help. I'm still stuck in traffic, still continuing to cry and sob and and I get home and couldn't park by the house, of course, because they had all the streets blocked. So I run, my house is surrounded by fields. So I ran through the field to get to my house and I knew the fire chief. And so when he saw me running up, he kind of says, it's okay that you're here, but you know, we have perimeters so you don't get hurt. And I said, well, my horses are in the backyard. My husband was trying to, they, I kept asking my husband, are the horses okay? Because with that much smoke, I was, yeah afraid that they were going to breathe it in. It was going to upset them. My husband kept saying, well, the wind is blowing the smoke the other way. Well, the wind shifted and started to blow the smoke towards the horses. And they did indeed start to panic and freak out. 
So they had some neighbors bring a horse trailer. We couldn't get our horse trailer out, of course. And so we had to take the horses through the field to load them in a friend and neighbor's horse trailer. And there was some neighbors helping my husband, Rick, try to get them out. And so I just asked the firefighter, can I help them get my horses? And so I went over and helped evacuate the horses and we lost the entire house. The only thing that was left was, I call it a skeleton of our house. Everything, we lost everything. The firefighters did the best they could, but it was just to the point where things happened for a reason. And when the 911 call came in from my kids, they actually had everybody dispatched the closest fire station they had already dispatched on several other calls so they didn't actually have any fire trucks to send our way and they had to either wait for them to get off the calls they were already on and they also dispatched neighboring cities to come fight the fire for our house so you would think okay we called 911 they'll be here within a minute or less because they live that close but they were dispatched. And so things being the way they were that day, nobody got to our house to help fight the fire. And so it just burned and burned until the firefighters, you know, because they have obligations. They can't just say, oh, well, there's a bigger emergency over here. So we're going to leave you. And it was just an unfortunate chain of events that took place. But, and like I said, things happen for a reason. And I believe that they're to teach us and help us grow and learn. And we just have to look for those lessons and, and try to have an open mind on what maybe our Heavenly Father is trying to help us learn or the reasons we're going through particular trials. And I believe that I've learned and grown so much through all of my trials. And three months after the fire, I got another bone infection and had to go back in and have another surgery. This one was a little more intense than the, than the first surgery to fight this infection. They actually discovered at this particular appointment, when they took the plates off with the first surgery, that the infection had gotten into my bones. And so I now was diagnosed with a bone infection that I was going to have for the rest of my life because this particular Mm. strand, there was no cure for it. And so they said, just so you know, we just want you to be aware that you'll be fighting this the rest of your life and, you know, try to be proactive and do things that will help, help you not have this flare up, you know, do the best you can at being healthy. And which is hard for me because I'm a total sugar holic <laughs> love chocolate and candy and sweets my husband shakes his head because he can't believe how much i love to have a treat <laughs> so, like, i cannot believe that that yeah. you like sugar so much i'm like i know i get it from my dad my dad is the same way that's my weakness too Ollie. really your stories of faith hope perseverance, everything. It is amazing. You know, from me to you, I appreciate that you are a fighter, that you're willing to just fight for everything, despite all the odds that you've been faced with so that we can hear your story and gain some incredible insight. I, like you, believe that the mind is a very powerful thing. We've talked about that before in our podcast and I honestly believe that. So I think that along with your faith kept you in in your story about the horse alive so that we could talk today I have really been inspired by your spirit and your resolve to live life the best you can, no matter what. So Jason and I have come up with what we call the, the double, double down, down dose. dose. Are you ready for this? It's two <laughs> questions. Kind of scary. <laughs> I know it's, it's not scary. <laughs> so the first question is this simply, how would you define hope? Oh, how do I define 
Well, I hope there's no right or wrong answer because I don't know if I would define hope as the average Joe might define hope. To me, hope, hope is believing to me. I would th- I would say hope is believing that there is something worth trying for. And it gives you a reason to keep fighting and keep enduring to the end. And if I was to look at hope, that encompasses the whole meaning. In For me, in my perspective, it just gives you that will to, hey, I can do this. It's possible. And hope leads to faith. Faith leads to action. So that's kind of my take on hope. Great. That's why we asked this question. (laughs) That is your perfect answer to that. So that is the right answer. Absolutely. And that's your perspective, right? Like that's exactly what you think. And we love asking these questions because we get so many different answers. We love the answers that we receive. So the second part of the double down dose is what is your definition of love or how would you define love? To me, when I think of love, I think of two things. I think of family and I think of my savior. And I have never felt greater love than I have felt from my savior or that I have felt from my family or that I feel for my family. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And I know love isn't an object, but that's what I relate it to because that's where I have felt the most love. As a mom, you cannot, in my mind, experience greater love than you have for your children. And I think that's maybe why the thought of my kids was was so powerful when I needed a reason beyond anything on this planet that was worth living for, that they were my reason. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And those who don't know, we have temples. We, we are able to obtain temple recommends and go to temples and be sealed together with our family. And my second youngest is adopted from Ethiopia. And when we were able to go to the temple as a family and be sealed together, I have never felt the more, if charity is the pure love of Christ, maybe that's what I was feeling, but I have never felt a more complete sense of love than I did at that moment when all of my kids came in to be sealed to us. I mean, for weeks, we could have our second youngest sealed to us and all of my kids were in that ceiling room with us. That was probably the greatest feeling of love that I have ever experienced being there with my family in my life. So it sounds kind of, I don't know, odd and different to, to put on an object like my family or to say the Savior, but the love that I have felt from my Savior is uncomparable to anything. And so in a nutshell, that's how I would that's define perfect. love. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. I really, truly appreciate the time that you spent with us today. I can really sense your feeling of love and concern and compassion for your family. I think that also helped you fight through all these things that you've gone through. Sincerely, thank you so much for opening up and sharing your your experiences and your um, life lessons that you've learned so that we can learn from you. So thank you so much, Holly. Thank you. And thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you, Holly. I really have appreciated your story and how it can help to inspire others to keep fighting for the things that they want and believe in. And for you, that was family and, and that's what kept you fighting. And I'm, I'm so happy that, you know, you were able to come out on the other side of that adversity. Right. And for you, it was a physical thing at the time. So thank you so much, Holly. We appreciate you coming on our show and appreciate your time. Thank you, you guys. I appreciate you having me. This is sprinkled with hope. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend. 
if you like our podcast, please give us a review or rating.